Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, and you can follow me on Twitter at X, Twitter, whatever they're calling it these days, at Talkin' ACC Sports. That's at T-A-L-K-I-N-A-C-C Sports. You can follow the moderator and my podcast co-host, Matthew, at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. That's ASD underscore H-O-K-I-E Smash, S-M-A-S-H. But he spends a lot more of his time these days at our site, Twitter account, All Sports D-A-C-C. That's All Sports D-A-C-C. I'm going to turn it over now to our moderator as we begin our fun podcast. Jeff, before we start the podcast, and thanks for the introduction, this is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the United States. We're going to be coming up on episode 500 sometime this year in calendar 2024, so we're proud of that. That means that this this podcast has been going for over a decade. But Jeff, is there anything specific that you've written about lately at All Sports Discussion that, that you want to plug? Jeff? Jeff? I can't hear you if you're speaking. <laughs> oh, had myself there on mute, Matthew. Um, yeah, let's, let's, uh, okay. one thing I want to touch on is, uh, we're, you know, we're in the middle of college basketball season, but it was kind of a whopper of a story that came out, especially if you're a Georgia Tech fan, the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, it, it, in the in the Georgia Tech fan base, it often had been asked, you know, what did Paul Johnson think of Jeff Collins and the Jeff Collins error at Georgia Tech? And, oh, that wasn't a mistake. You know, it, I'm not calling it the error. It was the error of Jeff Collins. But anyways... Um, we link to, to a site uh, that was interviewed, that interviewed Paul Johnson a couple days ago. And let me, I think the name was Bill uh, Shanks. Let me make sure I have that correct. Yes, that was the Bill Shanks show. And Paul Johnson did an interview there. And I'm not going to, you know, uh, go through each uh, detail of it. You can go to the um, site for allsportsdiscussion.com and find the article and the link to the uh, interview. Uh, it starts about 10 minutes into the show where Paul Johnson starts talking about Jeff Collins. But uh, the short version is he absolutely lets Jeff Collins have it. <laughs> he is, un let's just say it was unfiltered Paul Johnson and you know it's not often you you hear coaches talk about other coaches but uh in quite the way johnson did and and let me just be the first to say i didn't disagree with a single thing he said as a georgia tech fan um but you know college football hall of fame coach paul johnson he's retired he's 
you know, he's playing by his own rules. And I mean, just a lot of almost jaw dropping comments that Johnson made about um, Jeff Collins's time at Georgia Tech. I mean, you know, any, anyone that's interested, you know, just in sports in general is going to enjoy the listen of of the Paul Johnson unfiltered. But especially if you're a Georgia Tech fan, I would highly recommend uh, listening to that. So basically, you're telling me in short that Paul Johnson absolutely lit lit him up, lit Jeff Collins up. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Um, saying he lit up Jeff Collins would um, would be putting it mildly. So he poured gasoline <laughs> on the fire, basically. He poured gasoline on the fire, uh, lit it, and then lit it again, and poured more gasoline on the fire when it started going out. Oof, <laughs> I, I mean, he absolutely uh, eviscerated Jeff Collins and his time at Georgia Tech, and you know, I we've talked about it on the on the podcast and on the blog many times of. You know what I thought of Jeff Collins and his time, (laughs) and what I thought of him, and I I don't give him high marks for his ability to coach football. And all all I'll add, you know, I I won't necessarily go back to some of the harsher things I said, but uh, best of luck to North Carolina. Tuna was pretty that was pretty harsh. I thought that was one of the harsher comments. (laughs) I thought. (laughs) <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah it, it's what i thought at the time that's that's for sure that uh you know i thought you could just about do find anything or anybody off the street and do a better job than uh, jeff collins would uh would have done and but still you know making that comment on the blog and i'll leave this person nameless but uh receiving a, a dm from a a journalist, a a journalist who I respected, say that was the funniest thing he had read that day. Kind of made my day. <laughs> as a as a as a blogger who does this part time and just for the enjoyment, that was one of the uh, the neatest things ever. I'm like, hey, I actually entertained a a, a, a true sports journalist out there with that comment. Um, if you all don't remember, we went through a list of coaching candidates. Uh, who would replace Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. And we went through the various candidates and also had a candidate of a can of tuna. And uh, yeah, that 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 one got a lot of laughs. Best of luck to Collins at, at, at North Carolina, but uh, he is not well liked by the Georgia Tech fan base. Or Paul Johnson, apparently. This podcast is sponsored by StarKist. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you gotta listen to it, man. If you get a chance, you're just gonna. To, okay, I have to check it out. I, you, you've you, convinced me. Your, your jaw is gonna drop at some of the stuff he said. I'll have to check. I'll have to check it out because uh, yeah, that's normally not. I mean, normally you don't have prior coaches like roast other coaches. You know what I mean? That's like not normal. So I, I know I have to check that out now. So I'm with you. <laughs> Uh, that'll be uh, i'll check that out tomorrow i'll check that out tomorrow tomorrow i promise all right man let's get into acc basketball for this past week jeff who was your acc team of the week and who was your most disappointing team of the acc week for men's basketball the floor is yours jeff 
yeah, I got I gotta go with Wake Forest this week as the team of the week. Um, you know, th- this was their week; they had to make a move. I mean, we've been saying on this this podcast and blog all along that Wake Forest was an NCAA caliber team and and should have been, you know, at least on the bubble, but in 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 those tournament projections. But most of the bracket uh, bracketologists, you know, didn't have them in the field. So they, they had to do something that would make it impossible to be left out of those next projections. And Wake Forest, you know, went out and 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 did it this week. They took a red hot pit team and just ran them off the floor uh, at Wake Forest, you know, and that set them up for a monstrous game against Duke Saturday. And, you know, you left that. That was an NCAA caliber game. I mean, earlier in the day, Baylor and Houston played a a fantastic game. I know that you were commented on that, Matthew. And this was also an NCAA calib- caliber game. Very high quality stuff. A lot of great shot making between the two. And, you know, I, I came away impressed by Duke that in that environment and in Joel Coliseum, you know, never they never... Uh, they never flinched uh, against Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest just went and took the game from Duke late. I don't. I don't look. That's one of those games where I don't feel like either team lost, but Wake Forest won it, and you know was able to to get that Q1 uh, noted noteworthy victory that they needed to to get them into the field at least at the moment. And most bracketologists now have them in, and then. Um, you know, it was just a big week for Wake Forest all around. I, I thought that that game had the best ACC environment of any that I had seen this whole year. I mean, their fans were into it, 14,000 going crazy. And that just added on to, to Steve Forbes, who was on a ACC PM, you know, talking about the bracketologist Joe Lenardi in particular. And that was what's so interesting is that, Prior to Paul Johnson eviscerating Jeff Collins, you know, Steve Forbes going after Joe Lenardi was would have been something I was about to, you know, I also commented on the blog about, uh, I mean, he really let Lenardi have it and and and, and Lenardi's, uh, uh, you know, how he's kind of went after the ACC over the last couple of years questioning you know, the talent level in the conference and the teams in the conference. And, 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 and Forbes went after Lenardi pretty, pretty good too. Not, not in quite the way that Johnson did with Collins, but I mean, it was pretty good for an active coach to call out, you know, an EC, the ESPN um, bracketologist. So I, I think Wake Forest, you know, they won on and off the court. <laughs> Definitely a good recap there, Jeff. Definitely a good recap there. So, uh, obviously, uh, you know, you talked talked quite a bit about Wake Forest. Did we get into the most disappointing team of the week here? Yeah, no, I didn't mention that. And I got to go with Virginia on that one. Um, Not just because of... uh, you know, losing two games this past week, which which would have been difficult to even win one. I mean, um, but the way they lost. Oh, they got uh, smacked around by Virginia Tech. I mean, and honestly, 
you're you're as surprised as I honestly was shocked that Virginia got smacked around like that because that it made Virginia Tech look like an NCAA tournament team when I knew they weren't. But because they they seem to look like they seem to look like Superman at home, Jeff. Do you know what I mean? Like for some reason you get some special energy when you're playing in the castle. And I think it's probably more so than probably other arenas in the league. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I mean, the home court advantage for that. And in fact, this is, you know, ACC men's basketball opponents took a poll, right? I mean, they had every ACC team take a poll for men's basketball and said the castle's the hardest place to play it. And it just, I mean, they got some extra energy, certainly, but, but, you know, it's you know. Then you see, and I'll talk about this later about Virginia Tech. But you're you're absolutely right. You know, and, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. And you're about ready to talk about talk about North about uh, Virginia's matchup with North North Carolina. But I had to, I had to say that about that because it it was shocking to me how bad they got obliterated in Blacksburg. Yeah, they they run off the court, and if you'd you know turned on that game and didn't know anything about either team and said, which one's going to the NCAA tournament and which one's, you know, not even near the bubble, you would have left thinking, you know, it was Virginia Tech that was, you know, going to the NCAA, that was the NCAA tournament team and not Vir- not Virginia. Virginia Tech played so well in that game. And uh, Virginia, you know, they're, they're struggling scoring now i mean they went about a good six weeks and you thought they'd got those offensive issues behind them and now they can't get to 50 in a game and they follow up that virginia tech loss uh against north carolina and you know played a reasonably close game but really at no point did you feel like virginia could win that game and now all of a sudden you know a week ago virginia is a lock for the tournament and i still think they're in position to, to make the NCAA tournament, but they've suddenly made themselves a lot, you know, a, a lot more tenuous position. And we'll get into this. Uh, if they lose to Boston College this week, they got a problem. And uh, we'll get into that game a little bit. But that's a that's a monstrous game for Virginia, and they, they got to get some things figured out because because they're teetering. They're, um, I mean, if you're ranking ACC teams. Um, you know, you're obviously putting North Carolina and Duke ahead of them, Clemson, and I'm putting Virginia, uh, or not Virginia, uh, but I'm putting uh, uh, Wake Forest and Pitt maybe ahead of them too. Uh, they're, they're they're picking the wrong time going into March to, to lose their offense. I'm with you, Jeff. I'm with you. So as we go forward here to next week, which game are you looking forward to most this uh, upcoming week? And who's on upset alert this week, Jeff? I, I think Pittsburgh at, at Clemson on Tuesday is is going to have an NCAA tournament field to that. Um, you know, Clemson has been, you know, right there all year uh, where they've been a, a lock for the tournament. And even when they lose, they're really close competitive games. Uh, but they've have shown a tendency, you know, not to be a little bit vulnerable at home. Uh, they did lose to NC State. They lost to Virginia. They lost to North Carolina. Um, I mean, it's it's not like 
you go into Little John and it's going to be an impossible task to come out of there with a with a victory for a road team because a couple of teams have done it already. And now Pitt trying to get, you know, uh, a Q1 victory that's going to solidify their NCAA resume. And with, with uh, Henson playing as well as he is, and that's a very difficult offense to prepare for from from Pittsburgh and and Clemson struggling a little bit, not, not really probably the greatest defensive team in the in the league. Uh, that one's going to be, I think, a really good high quality game against two NCAA caliber teams. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that game. And who would you say is that upset upset alert, Jeff? Um, there there are a couple of uh, upset alert games that I'm looking at. We already talked about Virginia uh, at Boston College. Uh, we know how Conti, uh, the Conti form or arena can be. Um, Boston College has some offensive punch. Um, you get in that environment up there, which, which can be a little uh, sedated at times, but the fans start getting into it um, if, if Boston College is playing well, and that's an extremely dangerous game uh, for Virginia. Uh, they've got to be ready and, and kind of right the ship. Uh, and, and if they're still kind of thinking about the week before, you know, that they're going to leave Boston College with a loss and have their NCAA position uh, really getting kind of creaky. Uh, Wake Forest at Virginia Tech, you've already talked uh, about once every two, two and a half weeks, Virginia Tech looks like an NCAA tournament team. And you know, they get into Castle, and that's a very dangerous game for Wake Forest, who has been fantastic at home and kind of shaky on the road. Um, they got to be careful not to let the gains from this week uh, get away at a, at a dangerous place to play. Uh, Pitt going on the road at Boston College, same thing uh, as Virginia. You know, Boston College is, is not going to go to the NCAA tournament barring a, an ACC tournament title. Uh, but they're good enough on a given night, you know, to knock off, you know, decent teams. And that's a dangerous game for Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, if you come out of the Clemson game, say you say you lose that game um, and then you lose at Boston College and suddenly they're they're off the NCAA bubble. Uh, so they've they've got to be ready to not ha- and to make sure that they don't get swept because um, you don't like I said, it, it wouldn't shock me if they won at Clemson, but you don't expect them to win at Clemson. So you definitely can't afford to lose at Boston College uh, in a dangerous road game there. So, Jeff, I am going to play one uh, devil's advocate thing here. I don't think Wake Forest will be nervous at all playing at Virginia Tech because Steve Forbes, quite frankly, has owned Virginia Tech. And I am not really convinced that Virginia Tech's post players will show up. They there seems to be a random appear a random appearance when it once every couple of games. Well, maybe that maybe that has to do with whether you know the witness protection program pulls them out pulls them out and you know makes them <laughs> makes them appear again. God, I sound sarcastic here. But seriously, Steve Forbes has absolutely owned Virginia Tech, and so I would be surprised to see to see the Deeks lose against Virginia Tech. But weirder things happen, right? So, and that's why you called it an upset, you know. So, I, I think 
I feel like they'll take care of business uh, this week. You're right that Notre Dame uh, is, I mean, how do I say this about Notre Dame? The last couple of weeks I've noticed that like some improvement in the Irish, even though the record doesn't necessarily indicate that, that they seem to be more physical. They seem to be catching up, catching their coaches offense. You know, they seem they're playing tighter defense. They, but they drive to the hoop and, and sometimes like load locomotive freight trains. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of profess the thought here that Virginia tech would probably end the season 17 and 14 and somebody said to me on Twitter, they said, hey, Virginia Tech probably isn't going to, you know, that you're, you're, you're probably, you know, you're probably thinking weirdly there that Virginia Tech is going to get that road win at Louisville. And it's like, no, I'm really not worried about that because Kenny Payne continues to find new ways to lose. I'm actually more worried about Virginia Tech playing Notre Dame at home because they had a hard time stopping any guard penetration. You know, so you're, I, I think you nailed those upsets pretty well, Jeff. And I, and I. I actually think Notre Dame's going to be much better, much much better next year too. Yeah, you you can kind of see what what um, Shrewsbury's trying to do, and, and it's slowly, you know, getting instilled in his Notre Dame players. They're not going to be very down for very long, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned it because I don't I don't think I I did because I I think that also could be a really tricky game. Uh, for Wake Forest on the road. I mean, now that they've gotten themselves into position to make the NCAA tournament, that they can't give back what they did this past week by, you know, th- they might be able to afford losing one of the games, but they definitely can't afford to lose both. I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't. I, I think it would probably be better for them to win both because I, I think if oh yeah for sure I think if you lose one, there are questions about you. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> and if you're going to lose one, I think you, you probably prefer to win the Virginia Tech game because that would be a Q1 victory uh, if you were to win in Blacksburg. If, if you had the choice, if you're going to lose one or the other. But, but if you're going to lose to Notre Dame, what does that do to any victories that you have currently? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I'd rather lose the Virginia Tech if I'm them because that's still sitting. That's still not a terrible loss. But that's my food for thought, I guess. Right? You know. Yeah, so I guess it all depends on and what that committee is looking for. You know, are they looking at more quality victories or fewer bad losses? And sometimes we have no idea. What well, see, because I <laughs> I profess this, man. I mean, like, if Virginia Tech had not lost at Notre Dame. They'd have no bad losses. I know you agree. I know you agree with that. If they had not lost at Notre Dame, they'd have no bad losses. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to can't really place any other bad losses for them. Right. And so that drags you, you know. <laughs> Losing to Notre Dame and Louisville could drag your ass. So anyway. We cover we cover that pretty well. We've covered that pretty well. What are you looking forward to in the national scene this week, Jeff? Yeah, I know most of the time, you know, we're looking at those those you know top twenty five matchups at a conference, but you know now we're getting into the point in March where 
you know, we got to look at what's going on around the rest of the country and, and their bubble team. So that's what I wanted to focus on this week. Um, you got Kentucky going on the road at Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State is, is in the field uh, by most projections, but they're, they're not um, deep into the field. They're definitely not a lock. And with Kentucky going to Mississippi State, you know, I, I think there's still uh, a chance that Mississippi State can fall out of the field. Um, so bubble teams need to be rooting for Kentucky to take care of business because if Mississippi State beats Kentucky, um, you know, they really solidified their resume of getting into the into the field. So that's a game to keep an eye on. Uh, Kentucky's been kind of an erratic basketball team Um you know, at times they look like they could get to the final four or lose in the first round. Uh, so that's a, that's a game I want to keep an eye on. Uh, South Carolina at Texas A&M. Uh, all year long, you know, bracketologists have had the SEC uh, some odd reason at nine bids. Some even suggested 10 at one point. Well, Texas A&M is one of the SEC teams that has, has fallen so much in recent weeks. Um, that they've they've fallen off of the NCAA field, you know, kind of looking more um, like the SEC could end up with seven teams, which opens up uh, bids for other conferences. Uh, and South Carolina would be a huge win if Texas A&M could get it. So that's a bubble team that you're rooting for South Carolina to, to really knock Texas A&M completely off of the radar. And then another game out in the Mountain uh, West, is New Mexico and in, in Boise State. And for weeks, the Mountain West Conference has been sitting on six bids. And this past weekend, I think a lot of that got questioned now, or can they, can they really get that many? And I'm thinking it's not going to happen. And one of the reasons is New Mexico lost at home to a 250-plus net team in the Air Force at home, which didn't quite wreck their net the way I expected, but it did, it did was a pretty damaging loss and they lose another couple more games. They could find themselves in trouble. Boise state uh, is another one of those teams that, you know, is on the bubble, but probably in at this point, the loser of that game may not be in the field for the next week. So that's a game nationally to keep an eye on, Um, you know, Boise state, lost to Virginia Tech and to Clemson. Uh, another reason, when you start looking at comparing the conferences, uh, you question that a lot. Like, how is uh, Boise State such a lock? In the, and at one time when the Mountain West Conference was projected at six and the ACC was at three, it was one of the things you kind of pointed to. But uh, I don't think that they will end up getting the six now, especially with some of the upsets within that conference. But um that's definitely a game to keep an eye on New Mexico and Boise state. I think the loser of that game uh, is going to have a lot of work to do. Uh, is going to still have work to do to get into the field. All good comments, Jeff. I'm just going to run through a couple that I have my eye on. On big Monday, number 11 Baylor. They're probably, and they're probably, they're probably going to be a little less now after, after, they're not, they won't lose too much ground, though, after taking cheapers, after taking Houston to overtime. They're going to play TCU. This is a battle of two 19 and 8 teams. 
you know, so that's that's certainly one game I'm looking at. I'm not sure how much that will affect. You know, you probably I can't remember. Have you seen TC? Have you seen TCU in the field, Jeff? I think they are, but it's it can't be. You know, it's got it can't be too too great of a ranking for them. Yeah, I've seen I've seen them in the field. They're they're one of those teams that you know are not last four in, but they're they're certainly not you know sitting there on a four or five line. That's what I they, kind of thought. Yeah, yeah, they're they're kind of sitting on that that you know eight, nine, ten, ten seed at the moment. Right, and if they lose, they could drop. You know, and because I'm going through here, Texas is playing at Texas Tech on Tuesday. Texas is sitting at 17 and 10 right now. You know, if they're not careful, Jeff, they're not going to be in the tournament. I mean, and I, I don't want to see this bias come through. Oh, the Big 12 so often, the Big 12 so often. No, no. If you're 17 and 11, you're not doing that great. Is that right? If you lose to Texas Tech, you're 17 and 11. They're going to lose to Texas Tech. I believe yeah. that. I mean, no matter what, you start approaching, you know, that that 13 14 loss total and it gets real hard to include you on to that field no matter what you've done because then you at that point you're you're kind of like an 18 and 14 type team and you know with texas already at 11 and or at 10 uh, a couple more losses and and they could be in real real trouble have you seen old miss in the field jeff uh, 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 prior to this week, I have, they were another one of the SEC teams that were on the bubble, but kept getting included into the field, uh, until this past week. And I'm trying to remember who they, who they lost to, um, on Saturday, it might've been South Carolina, but I think they have fallen off of the field right they're now. Playing, Still they're playing the Alabama. Bubble. They're going to fall. They're going to fall way off the field. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think that that'll pretty much push them off it off it completely. Yeah, and so here's another one I have because you know I've been high. I have been high on Seton Hall. I mean Seton the. I mean Shaheen Holloway's had a hell of a job at Seton Hall his first year. They're eighteen, but they're eighteen and nine. They're going on the road to to to, to Creighton to to Creighton, and some you know, and I, I think Seton Hall will get in, but I think they're not going to be. They're going to be one of the last at large bids to get in. I think I don't think they'll be first four, but I think they have to win. I think they have to win because if they lose, if they lose, the Creighton, which is I think is pretty I pretty possible, you know, they still have. I mean, they, they they'll still have a chance to get in, but that's one of those games. I think that if you're ACC teams, you're certainly going to be rooting for Creighton to win that game. Right. That that's absolutely true. Jeff, there's just so there's been so many of them because I just went through the uh, went through the top, you know, went through the top, went through the top twenty five, right? And it's just there's just so there's just so many so many of them that uh, matchups of importance this 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 week, you know, I. It's 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 going to be an it's going to be an interesting it's going to be an interesting week and I you know so I I I think as we talked about earlier I mean I think finally the ACC is getting some respect it took weeks and I think Joe Lenardi I think is probably the lowest rated bracketologist out there if I'm not mistaken recently 
<laughs> yeah, he was he, he was probably gritting his teeth yesterday to have to put in that fifth ACC team, which you know we've we've been saying on the blog for in the podcast for about a month. Which it, I mean, it was completely obvious it was not a three bid league. But he he's finally had to come around and admit it. I'm sure he wasn't happy about it though. <laughs> no doubt. Open microphone time. What do you got for us, Jeff? Um, yeah, you know, we 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 had a a look here at, at the NCAA teams and the the NIT teams uh, in the ACC. I would say right now, I I think the ACC will end up with with five. Um, six, I think, is not out of the question, but it's it's going to be a little bit. Um, it's probably like a 50-50 proposition on that. Uh, UNC, Duke, Clemson, uh, absolute locks. I think Wake Forest just needs to finish three and one in their final four games, and they're going to make the field. And that's even without not even having to win a game in the ACC tournament. I think Wake Forest is in really good position now. Um, we've talked about who they have this week, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. So you can't, you can't slip up. Uh, I think you can afford one loss in the last four, but um, you get two and it starts getting dicey again. But I think Wake Forest is going to be fine. Uh, and then I think it's going to be that fifth bid at the moment. It's, it's going to be between Virginia and Pitt. Uh, I just don't like the way Virginia is playing right now. They're just struggling so much to score. And I'm really scared of that game for them against uh, Boston College. They they come out of Boston College with a win. I'll feel a lot better, but they're going to have a real problem if they lose that game. And and Pitt, um, I think Pitt is definitely an NCAA caliber team, but they just put themselves behind the eight ball so much. Uh, but the schedule is pretty light in their last four, so I think a three and one finish gives them a chance too. So I think in the end, the ACC will end up with five bids with a chance at six. Uh, you look at the NIT. I think you could see three ACC teams in the NIT, Virginia or Pitt, and I think Syracuse or NC State, uh, who've done you know reasonably well in conference, uh, don't have great computer metrics, uh, which keep keeps them off the bubble. Uh, you know, if they if they can run the table before the ACC tournament. Maybe they'd have a better shot, but I, I could see three uh, getting into the NIT. So, I mean, right now, and this is part of the open mic too, it's just all about, you know, NCAA tournament, getting those bids, getting into the field, setting up for the ACC tournament, you know, watching games around the country because it's, it's really fluid right now. Um, you know, these projections that two weeks ago – people had are they're changing by the by the minute the deeper you get into conference play uh and and i i i just i love it i think the quality and the of basketball has been fantastic this season the games have been great um i mean i'll, I'll be perfectly honest i've i've enjoyed it the college basketball season more than the football season and i i said this on twitter and you know, someone will say, hey, yeah, I have two. And I mean, the reason is, is with college basketball, as far flung as we've gotten with NIL and super conferences and this, that or the other, there's still with college basketball, at least a semblance of competitive fairness 
that doesn't seem to really exist with football anymore or, you know, not really in the way that we were used to um, years ago. But with basketball, there's still, you know, that that feeling that you don't have to be a bazillionaire university and and have a chance to get to a Final Four, win a national title. I still think even now UConn is still the best team in the country. I know they lost to Creighton last week, but I, that still to me is the best team in the country. Um, you know, in Houston, we saw what they did to Baylor. I mean, these are not teams from the SEC or Big Ten, and I think right now those are the two best teams in the country. Purdue, yeah, they're very good. They're very good. I'm not taking away any anything away from them, but um, you know, last week's uh, college football or college basketball poll had nine of the 11 teams, the top 11 teams were from outside of the power two SEC and big 10. And, you know, that, that goes even further that those two can never separate, at least in men's basketball, because it would completely lose all credibility if the SEC and big 10 formed some kind of their own tournament or something, when it's obvious they don't even have, you know, not even the majority of the best men's basketball teams uh, out there. So, I mean, I've really enjoyed the college basketball team and it's because there's still a sense, still a sense, still a semblance of competitive fairness that we've, we've lost it with football. And so I'm, I'm enjoying it. And, you know, March Madness is just going to be, it's going to be crazy. Jeff. It's going to be crazy. So Jeff, let me run through, let me run through some players for you. Okay. You want to listen to this? Nikhil Alexander Walker. I know you remember him, right? Do you remember him playing for Virginia Tech, Jeff? Yeah, I do. Do you remember that he was an NBA lottery pick? Uh, yeah, that, that kind of jogs my yeah. memory a little bit. I yeah. can't remember who drafted him. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, do you remember that Justin Robinson played for a year or two in the NBA? Do you remember him? Remember when he had had uh, a re- the record for three-pointers on Virginia Tech when they played Syracuse at home. Do you remember that game? Uh, I, I do <laughs> remember that. I do remember that. It was can it was can it was in February of February February, February because they were we- wearing the pink jerseys that night. Ahmed Hill, if you remember him, uh, the thunderous dunking man, 6'5", uh-huh. really physical, got dry, you know, play also spent some time in the NBA. You, you yeah. notice this you notice this theme that I'm spending here. Kerry Blackshear, who plays professionally overseas, but got, got some NBA, got invited to summer league tryouts for the NBA. So you notice how I'm going through that. The only player that I the only two players that I've seen in Mike Young's era here that have had an opportunity to play any sort of professional ball are Justin Mutz, who's playing in Japan right now, and Kiva Luma is Kiva Luma is playing in Europe right now. Okay. The talent level is much different. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what Buzz had on the floor and what Mike Young has on the floor, Mike Young's largely had, not to say that, you know, he, he he's they do a good job with player development, but you can only get so far, Jeff, with player development. I just rattled off four players on Buzz's team that had some time in the NBA. <laughs> that never happens at Virginia Tech. And, you know, and I, I don't know how often that's happened in the last five years at Georgia Tech. 
Mm-hmm. But it never happens at Virginia Tech that you have that many players on a roster play in the NBA. And if you recall, I was at that Sweet 16 here in D.C. with that Buzz roster. Uh, this is why I, I. This is what I'm. I'm. I'm sensing here with. I don't want to sound like I'm like I'm being overly critical, but. If you want to win in the ACC, and it may sound obvious, you got to put really good basketball players on the court if you want to be in that top eight of the ACC, or if you even want to get to that four bid. You know the four. What is it? The double bid of the ACC tournament. You the generally, yeah, exactly. You generally have a lot of good players on your team, and. It's a huge difference, and you can see it in the consistency of how Virginia Tech plays each night because there are some nights when Virginia Tech is just extremely hot. Like, I watched every second of that that game against Virginia, you know, and I, I could tell that some of the players, you know, I'll, I'm looking at Lynn Kidd for sure, you know, who wanted to try to redeem themselves from the horrid night that they had on the road in, in, in Charlottesville, but then totally – like miss you know almost like you're missing your bus when you're playing Pittsburgh you know what I mean that sort of thing and it it seems to me that if Virginia Tech wants to get better in the Mike Young era going forward because I'm I'm not you know Mike Young is a good coach Mike Young runs good offensive sets Mike Mike Young really needs a consistent inside outside presence I think you agree with this to be a good team Kivaluma when he was there, for example, provided that consistent inside-outside, uh, ins- inside uh, post uh, presence, and it was able to benefit the players from the outside. The same thing in growing Grant Basil was here last, you know, last year. I thought, you no, know, I, 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 you know, if he had come back this year, they might have had that. But my point here being, Jeff, is that you know you've got to be able to, uh, you know, getting. I don't want to say that you you can't rely wholly on player development. You've got to be you've got to be able to bring in some A plus talent like like Buzz like Buzz did if you want to be a consistent ACC basketball team night in and night out night in and night out and that's kind of what I'm seeing here with with with, uh, with Mike Young and like I said I don't I don't think he forgot how to coach. Because he's been in a gym for 30 years and he's been able to win some games. But I'm noticing this that there's a, a huge talent drop off between Virginia Tech and you know several of the teams in the conference. And now and I I, I want to be fair here too, Jeff. This isn't <clears throat> James Johnson type, you know, fall, falling off the cliff, the stock market, the 1930s stock market thing. To stock market thing where you're the laughing stock of the ACC. I don't think that Virginia Tech is that, but it's a middling ACC program, and it's kind of much different than where it was when Buzz was there. Do I? Do I? Am I sounding like I? I don't want to say middling, but because there are nights when it looks really good, and and incons- uh, maybe inconsistent is a better term for that, but. Do I sound like I'm being overcritical, Jeff? Because that's kind of what I'm seeing so far in in the Mike Young. T- no, I mean, uh, you know, they, it's not like Virginia Tech never looks poorly coached. I mean, you see some other teams, 
in the league, and, and you're just like, gosh, that's just a poorly coached team. And you don't see that with Virginia Tech. So, I mean, when it's it's not coaching, the only other thing it can be is, you know, personnel. And that's where it, it does look like, especially at the post position, I, I think Virginia Tech's guards are ACC caliber for the most part. But, you know, when it comes to post talent, you know, they, they're, it's, it's just not what we've seen in the past from Virginia Tech and where it needs to be for them to be consistent. Um, but you see that with other ACC teams uh, as well, where they have pretty good guard play and, and they struggle on the interior. I think uh, Notre Dame is a team like that. Virginia Tech, uh, you know, Georgia Tech is really thin in the post. And, you know, for these, any of these teams, I think to, you know, get back over the hump and into the NCAA tournament, they got to get better inside. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, basketball is still what it's always been. It's about having tall guys (laughs) who can play. And, you know, when you rely so much on guard play, it's really, really hard to be, you know, consistent. You go, you know, you look at the best teams, and you mentioned it already, Matthew. I mean, you know, North Carolina, you know, they got Armando Baycock, uh, even Duke, um, whose, you know, interior play has been questioned as not really being the toughest. They got size, though. I mean, Filipowski is, is still a matchup problem, and Clemson has PJ Hall and a, and and Jack Clark, 6'10, and he's on the floor, and, and Ian Shifflin is a rebounding machine. And, um, you know, Wake Forest has size, uh, Pitt has size with, with Frederico and, and even Virginia, they, you know, with minor, they, they have size, um, even though they lack some offensive punch, but I mean, you kind of see the difference between the teams that are playing for NCAA bids and the ones that aren't, it, it seems to be in the post and that Virginia tech's right there with them. I mean, the weird thing is that, like, Lynn Kidd has the – still, I think, to this day, has the highest um, field goal percentage in the conference. And maybe that's because he's really – when he's on some nights, he's really freaking on, you know, or he doesn't get a lot of shots. But, you know, it's – and I've, I've mentioned this before that – I know you remember Colin Coleman Collins, Jeff. I know you remember him when, when he played for Seth and they got to the NCAA tournament with Seth that year. And I know you remember um, Victor Davila. These are guys that, like, you know, they're not A-plus guys that score and play defense because if they do both, they're going to North Carolina or Duke. But these guys were, like, 6'10", you know, 6'10", 6'11". They were 260, 280. They, t- they were space eaters, and they played defense, and they got you maybe 10 to 12 points, you know, or something like that. But they were space eaters, and you knew that they could that they could muscle around in the post. And that's, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm really not asking for a lot, Jeff. <laughs> I'm asking for a Coleman Collins or a, or a, or a Victor Davila-type player because I and I think that that's the kind of thing that would help Mike Young out, because like I said, and you and I know you agree with this. If you're doing both, if you're doing both the defense and you're scoring like that, 
you're probably going to Duke or North Carolina if you're that big. But if you're just, you know, for, you know, if you're good at one, but maybe, you know, average at the other, that's when you're playing in some of the other ACC schools. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. That's what I need to see, but I need to see an upgrade in talent on the court at Virginia Tech because I, there are times when I just don't see an ACC roster back there, and I've seen that a lot of times this year. And I and I would say too that if the threes aren't going, you know, if the threes aren't going in, you know, that's also an issue. But like you and I have talked about this on Twitter, Jeff. It's easy to say this, right? Every coach looks smart if what? The shots are going in. And so, you know, hopefully hopefully for both of our teams the rest of this season, Jeff, that our shots are going in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. No, so, anyway. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, have a great week, friend. All right, Matthew, take care. Take care.